What? I'm trying to think, so uh -oh. I was just leaving dead uh -oh. so that you'd uh -oh. have to cut it out. Colette was like, gesticulating <laughs> with her hands, and it seemed like maybe she was about to freestyle or something. She's allowed to finger gun, and I'm not. Ew, dude. Ew. <laughs> Put your oh, guns down. Man. Put your dukes down. Uh, 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 who uh, else is here? Is it just Django and I? Uh, I am a methodlet. Okay, <laughs> muffalette, sure. my favorite sandwich. <laughs> muffalette. Um, it's French. Oh, yeah, I get it. I know that it's French. We've got to fill our French quota for the podcast. Can That's I do that again? That was really terrible, and I spent way too long coming up with something really bad. All right, really do you bad. both want to do it again? No, I'm I'm happy with mine now. You I'm never redid it. Solid in the middle. It got real bad <laughs> afterwards. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast episode 158. Uh, we're a bunch of buddies who uh, run and own a comic shop, gather at the end of the week to talk about all the comics that they were excited about that week and engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, the comic shop, or the comings and goings of their lives. I'm Raekwon the Jeff. I'm Old Dirty Daddy. God oh, damn it! I hate that one. I gotta take it again, Jeff. I don't think so. I gotta. Hey, there's just an Kwan. ongoing bit about you needing to redo things in the last several episodes on this Poco. Oh, where my killer intro at? And that's Jeff and Django, and there's also Colette. That's that was better. That was more charming. At least we know we've got something for an intro somewhere in there. Uh, we're gonna spoil some comics, and the spoilers this week are spoiled by Old Sour Cream. You eat it, you feel better. Yeah, only, yeah. You eat it, you feel better. Because bacterial cultures that have long since turned get inside your belly, they mix it up, they have a dance, yep. and then yep. they make all the bad stuff come out of you. Don't eat them too soon, though. No. You got to give it green to brown to orange. Yeah. Eat it then. You know, the thing about the cream phase is that the orange, it's kind of a sleeper phase. Many people mm -hmm. don't get there. Green, brown, weeks. Orange. Weeks. Weeks. What? What? In fact, <laughs> it's time to. What are we going to spoil, Cream? Oh, right? let's. Cream <laughs> bean spoil. Oh, dude. I, oh, you're right. Thanksgiving cast. Let's do everything as a themed. The, oh the green bean casserole of our of our weeks was Philadelphia uh, number one. And the. The, the, uh, the, the potatoes. Potatoes. Uh, the the potatoes and gravy are was Hellblazer. John Constantine, Hellblazer, number one. And I'm going to say Constantine because this is Black Label. Um, and the cranberry sauce of the meal. Venom, number 20. Sweet potatoes. <laughs> Sweet potatoes. Basketful of heads, number two. Absolutely. Giblets was. <laughs> oh, history of the Marvel Universe, because it's actually from a week ago. Um, that Randy Ham that no one knew was going to show up. Oh, handy, handy Rand's Randy Ham. Yeah, Batman uh, Creature of the Night, number four. Number four. Only a little bit late. Yep. Yep. Um, the Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts. Oh, yeah. 
the plot number three. Yeah, it was the Brussels. Sweet potatoes and uh, a little bit of. Uh, we already did sweet potatoes. Marshmallows? Oh, we had potatoes and gravy. Oh, no, we did we, sweet potatoes. We yeah. did sweet potatoes. Oh, fuck champagne. This is the champagne. The the creme de la creme. The turnt champagne. <laughs> the pumpkin pie. And the champagne. Yeah, I don't fuck with pumpkin pie, so... What the fuck is wrong with you? Listen, it's all right? It's a whole thing. We've, uh... I used to be chill about, about it, it, but I've been ridiculed my whole life. Now I'm backed into a fucking corner. Your pie sucks. <laughs> fuck all you guys. I'm tired of being sensitive about it. Pumpkin pie is bad. Oh, that's I'm fine. Just bring me your pie, and I'll, I will, I'll eat I it. I watch, you and Jared can go and eat apple pie while the rest it. of us enjoy our... I watched Django eat a fucking pumpkin pie in this store recently, and it was disgusting. Sarah Lee, baby. Man, I, like I was going to bake a pumpkin pie to bring into the store for all you guys. Don't do it if I'm here. I'm not even going to not... pretend to be appreciative. I fucking hate pumpkin pie. The leftovers are New Mutants number two and X-Force number two. It took my mom probably 27 years to re- like to re- internalize that I don't like pumpkin pie. Just like years of just like, I got you pumpkin pie. Like, you like that? Like, no. No, I haven't eaten pumpkin pie ever. I, I know your mom and I... Have yeah. different lengths of relationship with you. Different ones, yeah. Um, it's taken me until now to remember that you don't like eggnog or pumpkin pie. Yeah. Like this year. Probably going to forget by next Thanksgiving time. I also don't like root beer floats. There's a trifecta of things that I don't like that most people do. What about root beer floats with different flavor of ice cream? The problem that I have with it is the consistency. It's like creamy and carbonated. Okay. And it makes my mouth feel really <clears throat> weird to be eating it. And I try them. I try eggnog every year because I want to like it. Oh, I won't. I hate it. Yeah. But pumpkin pie is just like, it's another one where it's like, the consistency is just like, it's creamy, but it's gelatinous, it's spicy. I can't necessarily for sure get the pumpkin in it. It's, Mm -hmm. I I recognize that it's an American classic and people love it and I support them. I give pumpkin pie a 9.5. I give my great grandma's pumpkin pie recipe a 10 and any store-bought pie a 4. I would love, do you have that recipe from your great grandma? I do. I would love to try a bite of I that. will make that pie for you. Okay. Well, for all of us, and because I will I probably eat most of I it. I won't but... commit to eating a piece, but I'll yeah. try a bite. Philadelphia, number one by Rodney Barnes, Jason Sean Alexander, and Luis NCT. Luis NCT. Jason Sean Alexander, Spawn. Spawn. 20 um, Days of Night. Empty Zone. Empty Zone. Twenty. Yeah, 20 Days of Night. Thirty days, probably. Night. Yeah, twenty days, days later, night. something. There was a. He's a horror <laughs> comic artist. I've never read the Spawn stuff that he did the art in, but it's definitely reminiscent of that. That was sort of what I knew going into this. What did you guys think about Philadelphia, the new Image book this week? I read the first third of it twice. Oh, I'm not alone. It okay. was really hard to track okay. in the beginning. I'm super <gasps> with both of you. It was. Yeah, it was really hard to track. Yeah. I couldn't tell if I was just too Stoned. tired or... Tired? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or listening to my baby screaming in the background. Um, he doesn't but... do everything perfect. He's not always <laughs> the best thing ever. Uh, no. Oh, no. I don't believe it. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. So the thing uh, that got me was finally realizing that the different color of dialogue boxes indicated a different narrator yeah we've got several different narrations going on in this comic and that made it pretty hard to track and you know jason sean alexander's art is pretty shadowy and dark so it's pretty hard to distinguish folks from and we've got a father and son who you can tell are supposed to look alike Mm -hmm. but because they look alike and it's all these like tight shots and 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 moody lighting and they're both cops that it's really hard to tell which one 
is talking at any given time or what was going on. You see a cop investigating a place, reading a journal narration that sounds like the person investigating the place, but it's not that same person that you're watching do the same thing. And the timeline's jumping around a little bit, but it's only like 10 days. And then I got really caught up on seeing the gravestone that says that it's 2017. And then I was trying to figure out why it was set in 2017. And then I was like, did they do this in 2017? And it only just got published. I don't know. So what I'll say is that in spite of all of that confusion, there was something that pulled me through it. Like, I liked it more than the amount that I was confused or felt lost would seem to warrant. Once I unlocked it, I really, really liked it. Like, I did reread the first third and and then finish it off from there. But um, there were actual kind of jump scares in here. And that always impresses me in a comic book. And the the art and the mood and the expressions once you once you kinda once your eyes adjust to the darkness of the comic, I think the expression in, in the faces and the body language I thought was really, really well done. I, I agree with that. I sorry, I agree with that pretty wholeheartedly, actually. <laughs> um how do you feel, Colette? I thought it was okay. It didn't grab me that much. Um I I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was definitely an interesting take on a vampire story um spoilers uh sorry um i went in not knowing i went in not knowing that also yeah yeah um and uh i don't know there was some stuff to i felt like the connections the detective was making that was leading seemed pretty forced and i kept having these like i don't know did i miss something and it took me forever to figure out that they were talking to josie and not jose um and uh i don't know it didn't it was fine i I, like i didn't dislike it but i didn't feel like whoa damn that was cool so there you know shady comic crime mystery thing but we've got are they homeless people that are like bodies are being found largely drained of blood but covered in teeth marks where there's bites have been happening and they don't necessarily look like vampire bites either no they're definitely human bites Yeah. yeah and through the journals, and, and again, it was kind of confusing because by the time I realized whose journals they were and exactly what was going on, it was later in the comic book. But within these journals that he's reading, there's some thread that ties the second president. Like yellow fever is kind yeah. of being perceived All as the dead bodies thing. have yellow fever right. in them, and that, I guess, is now what causes vampirism. So the second president had left the country and came back with yellow fever at one point. So now we've got this sort of like almost American vampire-esque sort of alternate history take where vampirism has been passed down through the history of the country. I think that's pretty cool. There's a great reveal as he's walking through this sketchy building that's clearly the projects. It's like National Treasure meets Twilight, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Meets the wire. There's a little bit of the wire. Yeah, there's a little wire. Yeah. Yeah, but the the bit of him going in the room and seeing all the bodies hanging upside down Mm -hmm. that are vampires was effective. I think that the final third of this was was pretty good. Like once everything kind of, I guess exactly what you said is once it sort of was unlocked or it felt I had an idea of what was going on. I, I actually quite, I did quite enjoy it. But it was like watching uh, Deadwood, where it takes most of an episode before you realize that they're speaking in iambic pentameter, not just being assholes for the way they talk. Yeah, they were also assholes though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they, That's true. I've never heard the c word so many times. <laughs> um, Are you hang out with me? Cocksucker. Other C word. Cute. Exactly. <laughs> Cute. You have to read Constantine books to get that other C word. Constantine. 
A C Doesn't word he say itself. the C word in that one shot that led? Anyway, well, that's a segue. I already wasted. We have to get scores, but and I, yeah, I don't think it was super remarkable in it, like in the way that this was an ex- as executed as a sort of crime vampire book. Not a brand new thing, but interesting enough that I will probably wait to see next week if you know or next issue if Django really liked it or something, and, and I'll probably read it in that case. Can I can I give you something that might make you want to read the next one a little bit more? Yeah, the writer worked on. Wu-Tang in American Saga. Oh, sold. I'll read the second one. Um, I give it a 7.5. Like I, I'll give it a 7.5, but I almost want to say like a 7 because I, it was pretty confusing, and like a little needlessly so, but I did enjoy reading it. I would like to give it a 7.5, but I think because I think that the comic booking is really, really well done once you get into the swing of it. I'm going to give it an 8. Nice. I think it's a really... I think it's a really well-crafted comic, even if it's a little bit opaque. Yeah. It's like, you know how much work it is to watch There Will Be Blood? Oh, I haven't watched it in like a year and a half. You get sweaty doing it. And this, I felt like the sweat paid off. So if I tell you I'm a comic book man, I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> and Claire, what did you give it? Uh, I don't know. Six and point. Six and a half. Yeah? Yeah. Six and a point and a five. Six, and a, yeah. Six plus one half point. I almost didn't come today. I was like, I am so out of it. Maybe I shouldn't go podcast. Oh, and uh, That's the best. Yeah. I was asleep before I came here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm going to make a lot of sense tonight. Good. Um, yeah, yeah, six and a half, maybe seven. But don't fucking nah. push it. Absolutely. I don't know. There's stuff I liked, but it just didn't Do you guys remember that ring for me? dope-ass segue about Constantine I did recently? <laughs> You're just going to like cut it and throw it in there? Like, can you do that? Is that a is that like a not unless you want me to spend twenty minutes of my day doing that, which is really what happens every time we need to do an editing thing like that, Django. Doesn't seem to impact me at all. I think we should do it. <laughs> um don't you have to spend time with Jeff after he's edited a podcast? And no, he his... edits him on Monday and I don't usually see him. That's true. It's uh no literally no skin. It's off really my nose. actually convenient uh... for you. <laughs> I get to make jokes and put them wherever I want. Actually, just make it two podcasts. Fuck yeah. it. Tonight? No, man. I can do it. <laughs> I know you could. We're all going to... Just leave this shit plugged in. We'll watch Watchmen. We'll talk about it while it happens. I was thinking that given the fact that it was kind of a light week of comics, we could have done like a media segment <clears throat> where we talk about <clears throat> Watchmen and we talk about Star Wars. And Parasite. Because Sam's going to see that right now. She's <sighs> watching that alone right now. I will not be seeing that. Yeah. But she wants to go see Charles Angels with you. I need to text her back. Um, sure. Um, it's Constantine. And then we're all going to oh, yeah. watch Watchmen tonight, and I'm excited. Okay, can we all agree to call it Constantine instead of Constantine? I've never understood when to use the different ones, so sure. I think his name's Constantine, but fuck it. John Constantine, Hellblazer by Simon Spurrier, Aaron Campbell, and Jordi Belair. Aaron Campbell, who did the art on uh, Infidel. Mm, right, that's Bell great. And Uncanny, which was a cool mm-hmm. Diggle book, yeah, and that's uh, right. he did the covers for that um, red. Uh, what was that book? Sonia, no. Death, uh, Dead we got, Redemption, Band Aids, advertising it, Dark, Dark Red, Dark, Dark Red. Red. That's oh, it. Yeah, yeah that was did. his. Mm-hmm. I love his art. Okay, and me too. I think I, love... I think we hung out with him. Yeah, at... we did. I bought a page from him at Emerald City this last year. Yeah. Um, so this. I didn't read the Hellblazer that came out like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe I was out of town and I j- or or it sold out before I got it or something. It was something weird. I feel dumb I because if it was your mom was here. Okay, that's right. Clarify. If it's half as good as this, it's got to be a pretty solid comic. 
We've heard nothing but positive stuff about it, but tell me about this. Oh, this is, look at that art. This is a real good Constantine it's story. It's so good. So I'm going to tell you, I've never read any Constantine. Mm-hmm. But after reading this, I'm going to be reading a fuck ton of Constantine. Listen, I got the issues if you want to borrow them. <laughs> you. Uh, it's okay. I already know a guy. I know yeah. a guy who's got all the issues. It's fine. Is it um, Jaren? <laughs> no. Oh, I love Chango. Then I love that. I love that idea of this art is really gorgeous. It's so good. So it follows uh, John Constantine, who is uh, uh, kind of a gadabout uh, magician. Gadabout. That's a word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gadabout magician. Or mm-hmm. Magician. Yeah. And he's uh, he's telling kind of shitty jokes <laughs> at a, at a, about the prince uh, in in a royalist bar. He gets kicked out. He meets the the bouncer. She just straight up doesn't take any shit from him. She's like. Look, you're pretty funny. Here's another joke. You, no, you can't go back in the bar, asshole. Oh. Let me have a cigarette. Oh. I'm not gonna fuck you. Ooh. Like she just, she's just like. It's like me if I wasn't insecure. <laughs> I would never want you to not be insecure. But, I mean, for your safety and health, I would like you to be, but I need you to also be as insecure as me. Um, but she just like cuts him off at every at every point where you would expect him to to, you know, sneak around her. Or or do something sketchy because he's not a nice guy. He's he's very self serving. No, but um, but that kind of like sets up through the whole comic. There's this like what's appropriate, what isn't, mm-hmm. and everybody getting called out and like people who are bad calling someone out for using the wrong terminology, but then someone else who's worse still using it, but they can because they're just no one touches that. And it's huh. like a nice commentary with a character who's definitely fits a lot of that like chauvinist ballsy character that we've loved for so long that doesn't fit in now finding a way of of actually making that work in this moment in time so they they don't necessarily pull punches for the way society has changed no that's cool and and the way that society has not changed right Mm -hmm. like there it's a nice a nice straddling if you will yeah and Uh, so constantine gets pulled in by this uh, gang whose leader is also dabbling in magic, mm-hmm. uh, or more than dabbling. I'm taking over. I no, do it, mind. please. Do uh, it because I loved this and I'm just all about it. I is is Spurrier English? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it, no American could write this. No, it was it was the like the first page. It was like, is this because this vernacular is definitely a little different. Is this someone who doesn't know how to write gang? banter right or oh no they're english oh this is yeah it totally works but uh so their their park that they do all their dealing in has now been it's being protected by angels that are just completely ripping apart anybody who does anything wrong in the park and so they rope john into coming in and getting rid of the um Getting rid of these really cool glowing angels, and uh, so that bad things can happen there again. So well, so they can sell their drugs. So again. they can oh, sell their drugs right, again, okay, cool. um, and uh, and he's kind of in a position where he can't really say no, but also, I don't know. I, I know enough about the character to be able to pick up on like, you know, I've he, seen he, he, he's not gonna uh, <laughs> back down from getting to investigate too but clearly there's like another group is actually sending the angels in and at the very end there's this cool like 
I sh- maybe I shouldn't say cool, it's, but it's a cool reveal. Okay, yeah, <laughs> this like cool, weird, satanic orgy thing going on underneath oh, Parliament. Oh, Colette's here, and uh, yeah, there's yeah, an orgy, <laughs> and and then like Boris Johnson is being sent off to yeah. go and uh, keep fucking whatever corpse or whatnot they're doing their uh, their magic through, and it. This book was fucking great. <laughs> and what I liked about it is that it's it's just it's it strikes the right Constantine tone of he's a total asshole, but he's not he's not really malicious. He's super self-serving and he's also super curious. And if anybody figures out what he wants, he's also easy to manipulate. I got a couple of things I need to bring up. First of all, I didn't read this. Okay, but second on the, of all. The, on the cover, the, he's standing behind a tombstone that says, Here lies John Constantine. I understand with the previous issue, there's like an older, future version mm-hmm. of John Constantine that kind of came back. I'm not sure if he died. Is that a part of the story? Is he a ghost in this, I guess? Is yeah, my what's point. going on? Because she, they make, like, when he's talking to the, the bouncer, she keeps making comments about, like, you've been gone for a while, I can tell. Like, you're not so where's he been Django. is he dead is he i don't know been dead? okay i don't I think know the one i haven't shot, read the dc stuff and i didn't read the one shot the one shot a couple weeks ago i think kisden yeah. we need kisden yeah. um second <laughs> i i think a thing that deterred me from this is it's in like intricate branding and tied to the sandman universe it's the sandman universe john constantine hellblazer so was far there any 100 of that? irrelevant okay because there was a fair amount of books of magic stuff in the one shot it's yeah, so it's Sandman Universe presents John Constantine Hellblazer number one from DC Black Label. Right. They could have fixed all that and said Hellblazer Vertigo. Yeah. That's like you, you don't you don't need to worry about the Sandman Universe bit. I, I feel like the Sandman Universe is how DC is signifying that it's an old school Vertigo character okay. or series okay. they're resurrecting. I was just curious yeah. about that. Well, so then what do you guys give this book? Uh, as a Constantine fan, I give this an eight and a half. I would I would say this so far. This is up there with um, the the early Garth Ennis stuff. You should read his fortieth birthday issue, Jeff, with um, Swamp Thing, and just just he has a he has a shitty depressing birthday party. I want it. That sounds it's like so me. good. That sounds like me. And then Colette, as a non Constantine fan, what do you give it? Can you give it a nine? Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. I cannot wait for more. That's so awesome. I love to hear that from everybody. He's he really is one of my very favorite characters. Yeah, like, you know, I track down all the Shadow comics, right. and I have Batman going back forever, oh. and I, I keep huh. getting Batman. I actually have all but about ten appearances of John Constantine. Oh, that, that seems ever been like you're not really a collector. Yeah, you motherfucker, that's... I'll get there. You don't collect something to have some of it. God yeah, to quote anyone a... who sorts through as many issues as Django, <sighs> I've seen your butt crack have... so many times from you being on the floor looking at quarter bins. You guys are right. Can you uh, do a review without me while I go look for some of these <laughs> episodes that I missed? Um, I just want to take a second to talk about Absolute Carnage tie-in Venom number twenty. I realized that we didn't really talk about the end of Absolute Carnage on the podcast and. I did read it and liked quite. I liked it pretty good. I, it's been interesting to hear that like so many people are kind of through his Guardians run and Absolute Carnage. People are kind of finding themselves venturing slowly away from the Kate's Gate, hanging out in other parts of the cemetery where it's yep. a little bit less foggy, a little bit more illuminated. Um, you know, Silver Silver Black was an amazing, amazing thing that came out, but. Um, 
I yeah, I do think some of his other things have hit kind of lows while he's doing that. He's been working on Thor. He just seems like he's spread a little thin. I think he's maybe a little bit Thor from writing so much. Yeah, I think that's a good point, my <laughs> friends. Um, but so this issue is Venom, and it's just kind of a wind down because Absolute Carnage did end really abruptly. I guess Carnage dies, but Null escapes the symbiote planet that's been you know keeping him in the prison and now it's headed to earth oh so it's a cliffhanger at the end of a crossover exactly fuck you um and so this is a fill-in artist thing and i I care less about the null stuff really at all but we do deal with the maker in this issue who's one of my favorite characters because he's a you know my favorite stuff with him is like uh jonathan hickman stuff but through this whole Venom run, we've known that the Maker is working for some organization. We haven't known what it is, and it's been hinted at, but we don't know what it is. And this whole time, he's talking to this hologram of what we learn is his boss. And what the Maker has been trying to do is open a gateway back to the Ultimate Universe, where he's from. Like a Kate's Gate. Like a Kate's Gate. A, cat, a Kate's Multiversal Gate. <laughs> Um, and uh, he opens up a gate and he's able to get the symbiote from the ultimate universe here which I think is cool because I really liked the ultimate Spider-Man in general but that Venom arc I was like 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. and I just thought it was the shit and I collected it because I I don't mean to interrupt you got it as much of a Venom fan as I am I never read the ultimate Venom because I'm I I hate Everything to do with the Ultimate Universe. I think it never should have happened. It's the worst idea on the planet. I boycotted it the entire time it was coming out. Um, I didn't know that about you. That's not true at all. Okay, I was going to say. So I don't know if you know this, but Django, it's really hard to find this out, but uh, this man likes to draw a line. Oh, yeah. And uh, and really stand behind it. I you love, never know it from talking to him. I but love he, seeing when he things sets his... cross the line, and then he's. I love when he knows that that's over there now. Uh huh. Um, and then he's trying to move the line when he has to. Oh, but that without... looks cool. I wish I could cross the line. That's <laughs> but, not true. I love the idea of the Ultimate Universe. But can you tell me? Yeah. So what's P- different what we, about the, the what we Ultimate learn Canada? about is in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker's dad and Eddie Brock's dad were working together on an experiment, and they somehow created the symbiote or discovered. The symbiote so it's actually kind of like part of peter's legacy like he and eddie are tied together because their dads were partners okay and it's just a cool connection between those two people and, um, and is it still an alien in the ultimate universe i don't remember okay um probably but in this in this issue we re- we're told that it can travel between dimensions and because people can't so far and that's what reed richards is working on okay. what's your question uh i'm seeing this page has the maker's head always been misshapen and that's why yeah, he, he wears that helmet? Or I is this a new terrible development? I don't remember it for sure. He's always had that helmet because his yeah. head is large. I think okay. that he like grew, like he's elastic. I think he grew his head so his brain could be bigger or something uh, okay. like that. That and is a can't, terrible looking image on that Yeah, page. it's horrifying. Can't figure out a wig. He's the smartest guy in the world. All of this is leading <laughs> to what is very cool that I want to mention. Um we also get some stuff with Eddie Brock now hanging out with his son who's got some power, like symbiote powers, because we want that symbiotes reproduce right before big problems in the Marvel Universe that is justified at some point. But Why does he have bangs but no hair on the rest of his head? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's because that's where the helmet stops. Um, I know. Well, J- R- Jonathan Hickman, you know, gave, had, wrote him with that cool helmet. It was all very good. No one else knows what to do with a helmet like that. Jonathan Hickman loves fill it with a head. Um, <laughs> you guys, what's really cool is we learn that the maker throughout this whole run, his bosses have been the Council of Reeds from Jonathan Hickman's oh. Fantastic Four run, oh. which is very 
up my alley. How like, dumb are the Council of Reeds to think that they can control the maker, though? I don't or think how that they, egotistical? I think that he's trying to open He's doing experiments to open a gateway. They're working okay. with him. Like, he's probably part of the Council of Reeds because it's all infinite different reeds. So, right. you know, they're aware of what reeds are capable of. But it's just really awesome to have Donnie Cates playing with Hickman toys. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Hickman does the great job of creating and maintaining toys. But I think Donny Cates does really cool things with pre-existing concepts. And uh, I really like the introduction of these guys in here. So it made me really ex- – I've been not that interested in the Venom comic for a while just because it's taken a weird turn and everything. But this uh, made me really want to keep reading it and see how that's going to develop. I don't care about the Venom Island stuff coming out, but um, I-, I care about it. Three questions. Go. One. Um, do you think that Donnie Cates' his real name is Donald? And yeah. if so, do you think he started going by Donnie because of Donald Trump or Donald no. Duck? I think that he's tired of being compared to Donald Sutherland. Okay. Um, number two, is this the first thing or person or character that we've seen come from the Ultimate Universe since Secret Wars? I think he came over in Secret Wars, and there are right. other people from the Ultimate Universe who went over from Secret Wars, right. but we have not seen the the Ultimate Universe since then. Because I assumed that the Ultimate Universe had been wiped out. Yeah, that's yeah. kind, of, kind, of, what, it, kind it of what we believed, but in this, okay. it talks about, yeah, th- th- that not necessarily being the case. And like mm-hmm. he would have to, if he goes back there, kind of like fight to regain his position in that world. Okay. But I really liked the idea of going back to that area yeah, because I love the Ultimate Universe, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's always cool to be like, ooh, it's Ultimate Taskmaster or whatever. Um, uh, three, yeah, please. What do you give it? Uh, I give it a seven point five. The, the art was the pretty scale? lackluster. It wasn't Steg- Ryan Stegman who do- has done a lot of it, but it was the best issue of this Venom series in the last like six or so. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's right. that's my bit about that. Thank you everybody for listening to that. And sorry we didn't cover Absolute Carnage, but we had a basket full of comics <laughs> that week. A basket full of comics that week. Well, that's even more exciting than a basket full of heads. Oh, we had one of those this week. Oh, oh hey, did we ever? Anything oh, except man. pumpkin pie. Oh, fuck it. Jeff. Fuck. What it. about Colette's grandma's pumpkin pie? Great grandma's pumpkin pie. Great. I fuck it still. It's great. Grandma's great. pumpkin pie. We've all seen American Pie. Listen, I um, love that pie. It's the best pie in the world. Oh, which one? <laughs> the one from the movie? No, my great grandma. Oh, oh, thank okay. God. Uh, so, Joe Hill number two this week. He number two. Joe Hill number two this week. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't good. Um, no, it's just number two. Oh, yeah. he dropped a number two um, by Joe Hill, Leo Max, and Dave Stewart. This continues the story that is. Uh, Continues to be awesome. Yeah, it's so fucking good. I love the I'm art. Glad. I love the, the the slow reveals and the oh. suspense in this. And just even when the magical shit happens, it's done in a way that is kind of realistic and, and visceral and not like there's no kind of stuff. It has the perfect little touch of cartooniness. Yeah, yeah. To, there's just enough little tongue-in-cheek to make it... Uh, I I'm losing words on this one because it's just so great. There's a recurring severed finger. Ooh. Mm-hmm. There's there's a dude's perspective as his head gets cut off and his his head survives. And the reveal at the end is super simple and not like when you think about it, not all that unexpected uh-huh. and really fucking cool. Yeah. Like makes you really want to read the next one. Yeah, uh, I I love that at least as of now. 
It's the random girlfriend who you think is just going to be fodder for the villains is the one wielding the magic axe walking around with a basket of one head at the moment. Yeah, this is a basket full of head. mm Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to read it, so I'm trying to not listen to you guys. Oh, but you're Sorry, so buddy. cute, both well, of you. Can, can well, I? Can, well, can I talk this? about the one? Okay, Just no, go. you I'm talk about these this. annotations. All, all I want to mention is is that uh, the sign that says Brody Island. Mm-hmm. Isn't the isn't there a character named Brody in Jaws? I think you're thinking of um, Kevin Smith movies. I think, mm-hmm. I think you're thinking he, of Mallrats. Yeah. All right, you uh, you tell us what you wanted to say. Uh, I haven't watched Jaws in its entirety ever. It's one of those things that I've watched 15 minutes of at a time every time it was on TV as a kid and never actually finished it, so I can't tell you. But um, this was awesome. The art is awesome until I have one bone to pick with this comic. So there's this huge storm raging. It's pelting down rain. The island is flooding. But we get to this page where she's running with the axe, trying to escape from the criminal that's in the house. And they're actively talking about how much rain there is. And there's no rain in any of the panels. Mm, That's true. That's true. Has there been any visible rain in the whole series? Okay. Turn the page before. (laughs) You've got yeah. active rain, and one yeah. before that, there's active rain. There's splashes in the water. Right. Well, somebody it's hitting the window. Some I, editor fucked up a little bit. That was really frustrating to me. It took me totally out of what was a really great moment in a really great comic. And then I got over it because the next page is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah so, I, will, I will forgive it 100%. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things where I'm like, maybe for the trade, they should go back in and add a couple <laughs> little rain scratches in the background, please. Well, what, uh, what do you give it, Colette? Uh, I'm going to give this bad boy an eight and a half. I'm going to give it an eight and a half also. Um, Joe Hill. It's a good week just, for horror. He just keeps making good comics, man. He's wonderful. Uh, this also, is my first Joe Hill comic, and I'm loving it. The, uh, the chief in... Jaws. Oh, okay. His last name is Brody. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. as if you didn't already know that this was kind of a loving Jaws take from the first issue, where it just feels like they're on Jaws Island. Um, more proof okay. that Joe Hill has seen that classic shark movie. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. Did you read anything this week from last week that I you did. want to talk about? I think it was, it was either last week or the week before, but I was behind can on you, this. Can you just edit whatever you're about to say into yeah. last week's podcast before you put it up? I do try and trim and... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, Appreciate you. I forgot my comics at home one day this week, and I had to dip into my stack from either last week or the week before, but I read um, Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez's History of the Marvel Universe number five. And I haven't read every issue of this series. Colette, have you read any of this series? I read the first two, and then I got behind. Yeah, I didn't read three or four, and I read five. Okay. Just, yeah, it is a super, you could dip into any issue of this, but when this one starts right with like, right about 2000. And the it, this book is explaining the history of the Marvel Universe, but every page is like a single splash page that tells like an entire comic runs story. Wow. Like full pages depicting all of Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's new X-Men that run. Grant Morrison page is rad. Yeah, it's amazing because it's an, a direct homage to a Frank Quietly page yeah. in it. Um, Man. Like the Jessica Jones walking around with the ecstatics, runaways. Like they do... 
yeah, House of M. Like, gorgeous Javier Rodriguez art. He doesn't do a ton of stuff, but it's like beautiful art. Every single page he does is amazing. Like this double page of Civil War, like his colors mm. are incredible. Wow. But what's cool about this is it basically starts with right around the time Bendis was rising to incredible prominence at Marvel. And this whole issue is about 10 years, 12 years of comics. And it's all Bendis stuff. Like, wow. he oh. he just championed the entire Marvel Universe for so long. And it was so fun to read the first couple of issues to be getting the history of all this stuff. But in, in this issue, it's like, oh, this is where I started reading comics again as an adult. Right. And I think everyone who could read this series will have that moment in a different way. Uh-huh. You'll just like At a get, different point. Yeah. You'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, this is where I started. And then the whole book kind of changes the way that it feels because it starts being like, oh, like I'm no longer learning stuff. I'm like familiarizing myself with these moments that I've loved. Colette and, and I both just got super excited about the cable and hope. Yeah. That, page. Yeah. Pages. And it does <laughs> such a great job of giving all of these moments in history deference, but not spending too much time in them, and then giving them the most beautiful art. It's still using the framing device of Franklin Richards and a dead, an almost dead skeletal Galactus at the end of time about to usher in the birth of a new era, just telling the story of this universe. This art is amazing. It's, it's so beautiful. It's some it's of the most amazing book. stuff I've seen. So I ordered, the paperback's going to come out in a treasury edition, like the Grand Ooh. Design uh-huh. and Silver Surfer Black ones. So I ordered like 13 of them because it's going to be my staff pick of that month when it comes out. Um, it is just an absolutely stupendous piece of art that pays, it's, it, it, anytime, like Nathan Butcher, when he started coming in a couple mm-hmm. months ago, he was like, you know, I want to kind of create an idea of the Marvel Universe. He was trying to read all the events. And this is just the perfect book to give to people of like, hey, are you curious about the Marvel Universe? Like, here is a very abbreviated, loving, you know, like with much deference history of the entire thing. And then the back half of each issue is dense annotations showing the art from the yeah. original issues and the actual context of all of it. Well, and you can even look at these issues for the, like those people that read as a kid and then they ended up not reading for a while and then came back to comics. You can pick up the one issue that co- one or two issues that covers that gap in for your sure. comics, and it'll so all just it fill me. you in. And <laughs> it's so beautifully done, and it's something that could have been such a throwaway 100%. money grab. Like, oh, let's just put out a history and people will yeah. buy it because no one knows what the fuck's going on in Marvel Universe most of the time. But they made such a gorgeous comic. Clay, you read House of M, right? Yeah. Oh, You've yeah. Got, look at this page that's doing the House of M story because it's just absolutely incredible. Everything Colette said is just absolutely true. It's It could have been a throwaway, and they put uh, like a, a writer who has a deep love of, of the history of the whole thing and then an artist who has the ability to do, in a single page, tell entire stories in a, in a really beautiful way. So I give that one like a 9.5. It's... It's an incredible thing, and I think the, the miniseries when it's collected is going to be uh, an amazing gift or thing that belongs on everybody's wall. So it's truly incredible, and if you were on it, you can jump in at any point because they're all just, yeah, different things. But amazing book. Everyone should read it. So the art looks mm. to me like my favorite parts of Alan Davis mixed with my favorite parts of John Cassidy. What else has this guy done? That's a great question. I forget what else he's done. Okay. He read, he did the art in some later. things that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Um, like he did the covers of that Meet the Scrolls run that I really oh, liked. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. He looked, and like, yeah, he looks, he looks like Javier Polito a little bit. He did that She Hulk run with mm-hmm. Charles Soule a while back. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it plays it pays the right amount of homage to to Kirby and to Ditko and yeah. all those early artists to without being a on the nose trying to copy their their look. He did stuff it's, with Mark Wade's Daredevil run. Um, he did Dennis Hopeless's Spider Woman run mm-hmm. when okay. she was like being yeah, the yeah. mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she yeah, Doctor Strange stuff. He did some Al- Exiles with Saladin Ahmed. He's doing his own colors too. Yeah, he's which is mm, wild. But he's yeah. mostly um, a cover artist, but he's also just been a color artist for a lot of stuff. Did you uh, appreciate fully that the uh, these scenes are with with Franklin talking to Galactus are CMYK? Oh, I didn't, but I, I love to have you around for that. Now you can start <laughs> yeah. appreciating it like I would suggest you do, Jeffrey. Um, on the topic of appreciating things, uh, in a, I don't think I was able to. Tell me about Batman Creature of the Night by Kurt Busick and John Paul Leone, number four, ending this story that started years ago. The first page of this book that is the uh, the second book that I had to beat my way through a bunch of fucking cursive to read this week Yeah, um, is a direct... Reference to the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, in the form of uh, like framed Page. original art having been broken in this That's cool. room that uh, the the hero Bruce Wainwright has ruined yeah. um, because he's he's had kind of a a drunken fit and and broken all his shit. Um, I think that this was a pretty good wrap up to the series. Um, this first issue of this four issue series came out. Two, two years, years ago, ago, right around the same time as Doomsday Clock number one. And like the Swamp Thing annual that Tom King wrote. Yeah. Yeah. So like this this has taken a really long time to come out. Um, I thought it was because Kurt Busick is not super well, but it turns out it was because the uh, the artist, John Paul Leon, is uh, he, he was diagnosed with cancer. And so he oh. like he went through a bunch of shit. That's a shame. Between he's, the third and fourth issues. He's yeah. an amazing like kind of Darwin Cook style underappreciated artist artist yeah like if darwin mm-hmm. cook um was super sketchy i think is is how i how i would think of him this story um i think it was pretty good i don't think that i liked it as much as i thought i was going to um but i'm not going to put that on kurt Busick. i'm going to put that on me for thinking i had the shape of the story and being a little bit bummed out that i i had the wrong shape of the story um it it it's a it's a solid wrap up. I don't need more. I think that this is a this this finishes it, gives us a self contained product, and uh, it makes me want to read the Superman secret, secret identity, identity that that they did together because uh, I would love to see more books in this world. And and for people who don't know about Superman's secret identity and Batman Creature of the Night, they're Kurt Busick written stories that take place in a reality where the DC universe exists as comic books. And there are people who have the same name, like one is named Clark Kent in the Superman one, and this is Bruce Wainwright. And somehow their lives in our reality start overlapping with the superheroes' lives. Like in the other one, Clark Kent like starts to get superpowers and he's teased his whole life because he's got the same name as Superman. And it's it's just, I agree. I, I'm interested in more of these types of stories coming out. And Kurt Busiek, who wrote Astro City, like I, I really like and value that guy's work. Yeah, and this, this is an interesting sort of, uh, mental health study also Ooh. because the the whole thing has been is he crazy? Bruce kind of possessed with the ghost of his brother who gives him bat powers and at points in this you're not really sure 
if those bat powers are real or not. I think they were real the more I think about it. Um, but also he gets rid of them through medication and, uh, and maybe a little bit of therapy. And so it's, there's, there's, there's a little bit more going on and, and you like, I found myself wondering what if Bruce Wayne, Batman in the DC universe were to take some pills and, uh, and get some therapy and deal with his shit in a way that's not <laughs> punching people in the face. I, would, I do uh, love therapy. What do you give it? I give this one a seven. I give the whole series probably a seven and a half. Cool. Solid. I'm I would, glad that it I would, ended. Uh, yeah, I'm glad it ended. I would rather read more Astro City than this after having read the first six issues of Astro City. Um, Man. So if, if, I'm, if I'm comparing Kurt to Busick, yeah. uh, Astro, make mine Astro City. Uh, when you start reading the Confessor storyline, I want to reread that and we should do a, a poco about it. When is that? It's volume two. Okay. Yeah, okay. you, yeah. That's next. Yep. Colette, did you read any uh, anything? Dirty, earthy horror books from the, the ghetto swamp. Did you put any Brussels sprouts in your eyes this week? Oh, <laughs> oh our Thanksgiving game, I my forgot. Belly. Uh, I put a lot. You had your back. I oh. thank you. I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, you for think, that. You think? Mm-hmm. You think? I do. I do. Uh, yes, in fact, I did eat a lot of Brussels sprouts this week. Um... And uh, I ate some earlier today. I'm still burping them up now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, also, on the Brussels sprout note, the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Vault. By uh, Tim Daniel and Michael Morkai and uh, drawn by Joshua Hickson, colored by Jordan Boyd, the great Jordan Boyd, yeah. and, uh, and lettered by Jim Campbell. The other Jordan B. colorist. Oh. Who's not Jordy Belair. Oh, thank you. Wait, maybe that's what I meant. More. It's beautiful looking colors. So, yeah, they're both great. Good so old JBs. <laughs> I'm awesome at this. Um, yeah. I think we should just so, let, her, let her take over. She's great. What am I doing? What now? Nothing. I don't know what he meant. You don't think about it again. Tell me about the plot. That was a good... I liked that first issue, but I didn't read this one. The kid got sucked into the swamp at the end of the first one. Any resolution there? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this other uh, character shows up. So I gotta I gotta tell you, I don't remember anybody's names. Me neither. Whatsoever. I'm Jeff. Um, I'm Django. Django. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, someone will remind me who I am. It's it's fine. But, uh, You're Coco. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, I don't remember any of the characters' names in this book, but uh, that's because it doesn't really matter. You're just on the ride with uh, watching what happens to him. Uh, so at the end of issue number one, the kid fell in the water, and this uh, this woman who grew up with... Uh, fuck, I really should know everybody's names no, to be able to explain good. this. So there's if the, they don't uh, have a file, they don't matter. There's the <laughs> uncle that's raising the kids now, and uh, his like high school sweetheart, maybe, former flame, she showed up and saved the kid, and she's also super um, in touch with the paranormal goings-on and, and a little bit ostracized, but also, you know, she's pretty, so they don't think that she's someone to run out of the town or something but uh so it, it she's bonded with the kids and the family and they're at the end of the last issue of number two um the uh the uncle's dad character found a, a dead body uh walled up in the basement and this is kind of the fallout of that and uh and the the good old town sheriff with a chip on his shoulder against the family and i i love how much this book just really follows the classic 
horror tropes of a family in a haunted house, but you don't know what direction it's going with all those yeah. things. So it's it's a different you're not just along for seeing if it's a cool monster or not. It's actually a an interesting story and in the twists and turns of it. And and this issue really actually flushes out um, quite a bit of the family history that's alluded to in the issues before it. And the first issue made it seem like the monster was kind of a family monster, mm-hmm. almost like, like skeletons in the family closet. Yeah, d- exactly that. Um, and uh, and it we get to the point of, uh, by the end of the issue of, knowing that we're going to know what that is. We know why it's tied into the family-ish okay. by the end of this one. Next issue, probably we'll actually understand more about the monster. Cool. We get to see more of it. I, you know, it's hard to kind of describe the plot or whatnot because uh, the plot of the plot. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of those books that if you try to do it, actually talk about what happened in it it's going to seem much less interesting than it actually was to read it's just a good sit down read a fun little Trying horror to talk story about basket full of heads tonight was yeah. really difficult too because it's like the whole issue takes place over the course of three minutes or something yeah and it's super an hour good. and three minutes is it an hour and three minutes she's in that um they show the clock with the hands and oh, right, right, right. actual hands instead of clock hands right. and this, uh, she's hiding for an hour in the laundry yeah. camper plot book i'm really impressed by there are like 12 pages of this comic where there's five text bubbles or less mm-hmm. and i love a book that relies on the art for storytelling that's just i really like and those pages i ended up staring at for longer right? than that's any other part of the book it, yeah they're it's really wonderfully moody. And it becomes and, your own at that point. Mm-hmm. And the colors in it indicate scene changes really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it goes from yellows to blues to pinks. Yeah, they really make sure that the light the, is considerably different from one scene to another. On that note, the cover for the next issue is mm. a gorgeous Dang. image with beautiful yeah. coloring. Yeah. yeah. With light sources in it. Fucking vault, you guys. I know, they're really impressive. Everyone, like, they're, you know, they haven't done a slam dunk to me like some of the books coming out of Image five years ago, mm-hmm. but they're at a point like Image five years ago where I think every first issue warrants being read. Every yeah. single vault book that I've actually sat down and read has been better than it had any right to be. Like I, I would read it and be like, this is this is as good as or better than any other independent book that's coming out right yeah. now. And, and there's only been one that I was... Yeah, we didn't love that. The, she, said destroy, the, she said destroy. Or, yeah. There's been some oh, yeah. that aren't super great, but but, but well, they're all worth reading. I've loved every Marky Mark movie I ever saw. I just <laughs> didn't see the shitty ones. <laughs> uh, what do you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. It's a... It's You're going to give it a what? The Ocho. Yeah, I am not a huge horror person, but I have been loving the horror books coming out recently. It's a good time. Okay. Speaking of horror. (laughs) So let's talk about the two of the three excellent books that came out this week. We didn't talk about Excalibur 2 when it came out like a week or two ago. You don't have to make excuses for not talking about And we're not going to talk about Fallen Angels this week. But we are going to talk about New Mutants uh, number two and X-Force number two. I guess we'll talk about them in the order that the reading order would dictate. New Mutants number two. Um, Jonathan sure? Hickman and Rod Reese. I'm Are not you sure, sure this is the reading order because, because yes. I heard that uh... I stacked all my X-Men books up at the shop, excited to read them in the correct order. I compared <laughs> the reading order. I got home and I started from the wrong side. Aww. And I texted Django and I was just like, "Well, <laughs> here's here's an instance of this not being executed perfectly." Ryan Browning started buying the House and Powers 
And then I told him that he had to read them in order, and he changed his mind. He's yeah. Like, I'll wait for the trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which comes out on the 11th, so it's coming up. Um, I love talking to people about this because I haven't heard... I know we have some listeners and some customers who have really liked this New Mutant book. I, I don't think anyone... I think maybe I'm the only one at the store who loves this book. Um, this yeah. New Mutants thing is, like, so deeply up Jeff's alley. Like, um, I mean, you love a quippy teen team. Exactly. And you know that about me. It's, like, it's it's way more mature than, like, Degrassi, but it's, it's in... I love the idea of the Claremont New Mutants run because it seemed like a person who had a really strong, internally consistent voice for a group of characters that if you were a reader, you could tune in each issue and see a group of friends that you felt a part of. And I can feel that happening in this book. I also love that a lot of it is following up on Hickman's Avengers, New Avengers run, like Smasher and Cannonball. Like Hickman introduced that Smasher run, had her join the Shi'ar space, had him leave to go be with the Shi'ar space. So for him to reintroduce those characters into this felt awesome to me because it was Hickman picking up some threads of his. I I also, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that like, I think the art in this is like, top 1% of books coming out in terms of how special it feels. Like, it yeah. is it is mm-hmm. as close to Sienkiewicz as somebody gets, but it is its own flavor. Affordable just, Sienkiewicz is probably just, how they look at it. I've never seen an artist, like, so naturally fit in as a sort of follow-up artist. Yeah. Like, it's he's not doing Sienkiewicz, but his natural style, which this has been for a while, immediately finally clicked. It was like, oh... Like, you were born to do this book. This is like if if Greg Capullo taking over no. Spawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I was going to say, if, there's if no Greg Capullo, Capullo at all. If Greg Capullo taking over Spawn didn't just look like he was tracing Todd McFarlane panels it's, at that point, I think I think this would this would be that. And it is, like, it's a lot of these friends and people who are familiar with each other talking, and I loved that. It was, like, I love Kevin Smith movies. It, it has a feel of that. Like, I just, I love... People who know each other and are react like interacting comfortably, and there's a kindness and warmth that was going through it, and it made me really excited to know these people and be a part of it, and and want to read the old stuff. And there's some very funny gags, and the art is stunning, and uh, yeah, I just I I am stunned. I'm not I'm not stunned, but it is so it's such a Jeff thing that I'm just sort of surprised that more people don't love it. But I also oh, it totally minute. makes sense to me. This one's credited to Hickman. Yeah, it is. Did he he wrote this issue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's writing the first five of this run. Yeah, or like, or like we don't for together. sure know. Like he's he's also said that okay. he's gonna be writing alternating issues for the first five. They co wrote the first one. Okay. I think I think that he and the other guy are plotting it together. And then okay. I, I think that rejoining Smasher and Cannonball and some of the Shi'ar stuff is Hickman because in like Powers of Ten there's the X-Men that are still alive in the future that are living on Shi'ar space like I think the Shi'ar stuff is important is important okay and, I mean it's and, always been really important yeah. to the X-Men universe that's the Shi'ar shit is when I tap out like I I, I have a really hard yeah. time caring about uh, Shi'ar or the Brood there's good or, Shi'ar stuff in the the Morrison run which oh, is Mac, been, who's the Guardian Gag, yeah and he's Gag, in this Gar- so yeah like those those are those are big negatives for me, mm-hmm. and I know I'm I'm probably just an asshole. Um, no, they're I think... like I like some of the plots that the Shi'ar have provided, but mm-hmm. I don't 
enjoy the Shi'ar. I'm totally not, with you guys. I'm like, ooh, Shi'ar stuff, but they do, when you need a certain type of... Big space. Almost insurmountable... Uh, Power, authority. power, yeah, not necessarily a villain, but an obstacle. Just like they make a really good, kind of. frustrating obstacle for your story to have to deal with. And like, I really liked when um, Aaron brought their gods into the Mighty Thor run. Mm-hmm. Like, that was interesting to see, kind of like the upper echelons of where their societal that run, and then in the, up and like the second from. arc of Morrison's New X Men has mm-hmm. some Shi'ar stuff. Those are the only two times it's really super worked for me but there's moments in here where like wolf's bane is sort of sleeping on a couch and the artist just consistently like does little like there's a little humph sound effect right while other people are talking like it's like the artist likes all of these people and even when there's no reason to he's adding things in there to give everybody a bit more personality in life mm-hmm. and there's just so much personality with the art in general, but he's also lending to all the individual people. So I loved it. I'm going to give this one a nine. I, I'm I'm in love with this book, and, and the art is, I think, something super special. I hope it stays good when Hickman leaves. I thought it was really good. I think this is in my top three of the non-main X-Men books. Mm-hmm. Um, this, X-Force, and Marauders are my favorites so far. Uh, I really enjoy the art. I think that the a lot of the funny bits are really like legitimately funny mm-hmm. um like i said i don't care much for guardian or the shiar and i thought that some of the characterizations were a little too precious like th- them playing uh poker rubbed me wrong yeah um it was like you have one panel to give the personality of this player sure, and sure. i, I could have done i could have done with a little more graceful way of doing that which is not to say that it doesn't belong in here because I think that that's what this book is. It's kind of like, uh, like you said, a, a teen TV show kind of thing. Hanging out with old friends, I think, mm-hmm. is, you know. Yeah, it. it just felt a little a little closer to Buffy than I'm sure. happy reading. That makes total sense. Um, but look at this shot of Shi'ar space. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is an yeah. amazing it is, piece of art. It is a gorgeous book. You cannot argue with how beautifully done the art is in this, and it makes... Like, I'm not someone that goes for quippy teen mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, um, this reveal is you like quippy yeah, adults? Sometimes. I don't know. I hang out with you fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Django and Braden are the quippy ones. I'm not. That's not me. I give it a seven and a half. Um, seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just finally decided. Right, and okay. I threw my score out as well, so I'd yeah. not to prematurely do anything. No, it's fine. I can be done. It's <laughs> no, fine. No, we want more totally of fine. you. I just <laughs> wanted to... I, I thought maybe you guys were more excited to talk about X-Force, so I wanted to get this one out of no, the way. No, I, I... This book, like, I really want to like it because it's so pretty, and it is really well done, at least. Like, this issue I liked a lot better than the last one, and I liked the last one. I just... Like, I love Ileana, and I... I love Wolfsbane, but the rest of the team, I just, I have a hard time with that quippy team dynamic. I hate and, the main dude, Robert Day Acosta. Oh, God, he's so... Unlikable. Uh, like, yes. intentionally unlikable. Yeah, Wherever but there's a way... Wherever he his chin, I tapped out yeah. on that guy. There's a way of, like, putting an unlikable character in, but making it he fun sucks. to dislike them. Yeah. And this more was just, like, you just don't like him. Um, but, uh... 
Yeah, I I want to like this more than I do, unfortunately. And I'm going to totally keep reading it and I'm not going to resent reading it, but it's not it's not as up there for me as Hell I would yeah. like it to be. Oh yeah. Um What do you give it? Oh yeah, that. Um I'm going to give it a um, Gonna give it a seven and, and a half. Yeah, yeah, because it's really good. It's just not quite up there for me in my taste or my my preferential levels. Continuing the reading order, we've mm. moved into X Force number two by Ben Percy and who is the artist? I feel bad. Uh, Joshua Kassara and then Dean White, who. I will praise the gods every day that this mm-hmm. issue, like this series, comes out because he, I think, is the best colorer in the business, colorist, and uh, every every panel of this, most of them had what I love about Dean White, and he's just he adds a flavor to it that I can't put my finger on, but it is so a thing that I love. It creates the mood, and like yeah, it's and just everything. To me, when he does coloring, it feels like it becomes high art. And and what I mean by that is like like Isad Ribic or Alex Ross, like mm-hmm. artists working in a different way. Or like Bill Sienkiewicz was a classically trained artist originally. And there's just like the coloring gives it a tone that is almost just like a different style to me. And I love it. Well, it takes kind of a hack and slash Right, book. You know, book, and it it elevates it, and 100%. it gives it a respectability that I, I totally you wouldn't. Agree. I like a lot of the the coloring tricks that he does, like Beast's uh, the the light, the lens flare on Beast's claws when he's looking at the his, computer screen there. And his stuff. light to me is what really makes him the the amazing. I artist would I, I would love to see him with a little bit of a bolder palette at some point, because um, it's all a little bit. It's not muddy. But it, it's it's pretty low tones. We should uh, like look through the beginning of Remender's Uncanny X-Force run as a really mm-hmm. good example okay. of his coloring. Because I actually don't know this artist. Um, and and I think a lot of what's going on here is, is the coloring on top of the art. I don't know yeah. that the art is actually, like that he's an incredibly strong penciler. No, but it's, but it's telling is. the story just fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I, I really and like, like this. Shots like this. Uh, oh, his blues. Oh, who is that? White. Polaris? Uh, Kid Omega. <laughs> Whatever. Quentin Quire. <laughs> Quentin Quire showing up. Yeah. And uh, like the, the, is that Batman standing there? <laughs> that would That's be Wolverine. Wolverine. And Polaris is green, you dumb motherfucker. I don't, I don't <laughs> I love. No, you're good. I love this book. Not as much as New Mutants, but I like it a lot. But I don't love this writer's voice for Quentin. Um, which, like, he was created in the Morrison run, and okay. I haven't really... I liked Jason Aaron writing him pretty good, but no one has had that qu- quite that right tone. He's very much like Damien, Damien Wayne. Okay. Um, yeah. And no one quite writes Just Damien like, like Morrison does. Fucker. No, yeah, he's a stuck-up prick because yeah. he's been an Omega, Omega level mutant since his powers manifested, and okay. he's, like, he's like Gene and Xavier levels, but just has but been too from, young when he got it mm-hmm, and okay. it, like considers himself to be godly and everything and i don't um, th- and i think that a lot of that unappealing stuff has happened since the morrison stuff like he's unappealing in that original stuff but in the same way that to me damien is which right. is like mm-hmm. not socialized well but has mm-hmm. a heart of gold i think there's an amount of that in quentin but i haven't seen any other writer do it in a way that makes him likable yeah like i think morrison did 
like Quentin has that he wants to not have a heart of gold, mm-hmm. but he still ends up but doing the right thing. And he's one of those characters that when he, I, I thought they did a good job with him in this where he's not, you're not focused on him enough to be annoyed to the point of not wanting to read. Like right. he's he's just separate enough that you can laugh at his obnoxiousness and you're not just bothered by it. Right. And I, I loved the that couple pages of Logan trying to type in the, to mm. hack into a computer and, <laughs> uh, oh my God, that was so good. And then the best, I loved this uh, Logan asking, how do you know my passcode? And Quentin, because I can see inside your thick skull, and it's like a spent ashtray and a yeah. depression arrow hobo bar. I read I this was cracking on the up. floor on Wednesday <laughs> before we opened the store, and Justin walked in, and he was pu- being quiet and walking around so I could finish this. But I got to that, and I was like, "Man, I just read this line of dialogue, and it sounds like you talking about Jane." <laughs> I, I read it out loud because it's like it's such a Justin sentence. Uh, like that sentence, you know, I even read it out loud because it's it's so there. Yeah. The full page, single page art shots in this, the final page reveal of stumbling on uh, Domino's body, and then the full pot shot of Gene um, doing some psychic stuff are like gorgeous pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And this the Domino one is particularly my favorite because that is very Dean White to me. But so the, this one is great. The story picks up after Professor X was shot in the head by invaders of Krakoa. And then the mystery is, how did they get onto Krakoa? And as Wolverine and uh, Quentin Quire and, and kind of Beast, and who's who else is out there? Who is this? Uh, that is Sage. Okay. Um, Quentin and uh, Wolverine are the only ones off island. Everyone else is like, yeah, but they're all kind of working the, oh, yeah. to solve this mystery, right? I get what you're getting at there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so. Like we we find out what I think most of us kind of knew from the first issue is that they had um, somehow gained Domino's mutant abilities after they captured her in the beginning of the first issue, and it turns out that they have the the bad guys had uh, skinned part of her and done skin grafts on themselves in order to trick the island into thinking that they were mutants and allowed to drop in on it and shoot Professor X. So. Um, and we still don't know if Xavier is going to be resurrected. I see that was. I think he has to be. That's my one problem with this book. I really liked it, but I felt like with everything that was established with House and Powers, they've got redundancies on redundancies. Beast and Gene are two of the most capable mutants, and this making them unsure whether or not they can do it. I feel like was more trying to build suspense mm-hmm. in the book than actually I totally totally creating agree with you. real characterization like they would but, have practiced and gone over every way of here's how we boot up this secondary cerebro those redundancies here's, exist so that if Charles Xavier dies there can be he can come back but so they it hadn't be done a, it yet no right? but so these like, are two people that like can take any of the biggest problems that are thrown at the X-Men and just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And and I, it wasn't a complaint to me, but it was just like, I, I think that we're in a spot with the establishment of this island that we prepared for Charles Xavier dying, so it shouldn't be a question how he's going to come back. I did really like the tone that Magneto took at that beginning. Like, he had this deference. Hope you're right, fucko. Well, but it also was like, I, I will respect 
your governing body even with you gone and mm-hmm. I'm going to work to get you back like there was an amount of respect paid to, to Charles and I love the shots of those cradles like the, the helmets mm-hmm. with a bunch of Krakoan yeah. nerves coming out yeah. of them gross and amazing yeah I it only really bugged me because I thought that the voices for like for Jean in that little bit with Magneto lacked the confidence. Her voice was wrong, and then she switches to being super confident because then Jean, or then Beast becomes the wary, concerned sure. one, and that that disrupted the flow for me. That but once I figured out, oh, this is trying to build suspense. Sure. I was able to well, throw it to the side and, and kind of. I feel like in House or Powers, when they were explaining the uh, like the raid array backup of mutants that they had, mm-hmm. they mentioned specifically that they weren't a hundred percent sure that it, Charles could come back. Yeah, they may have. Like, like I think that they're like they they. But he's come back like four times. They say that he's done the process multiple times already. But they say he's backed up, but they never brought him back. And they say that he... he yeah, they did. They have, they because s- that's why he's walking around. He's in a new body. Yeah, they say that he has backed up, like he has been alive and then backed up his consciousness to a saved file. I, I don't... I don't know that there was a moment I'm for sure where he was sure dead. I'm pretty sure they specifically say that he's done the process and, of resurrection he, a couple huh. times. He may have done that. I definitely know that they say he's done the process of resurrection himself, backing up to an old consciousness, and they say that somebody else did that, but they don't say who it was. So I totally believe that you're right. I also could see that it would be on a different page that I wasn't paying as close attention to, because when mm-hmm. I read that part, I was like, oh, that's... Definitely foreshadowing yeah. something that's going to happen later where we mm-hmm. have some. And the other thing that I really liked about this was when they're tearing apart the attackers who are basically the marauders, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this isn't an ear. This is a, a an ear, like ear skin covering a wire that you could use to garage yeah. somebody. Like, yeah. that's fucking cool. Yeah. People full of weapons. That. That's probably why it got under my skin was because I felt like you didn't <laughs> ha like ha ha yeah you didn't need that like extra attention because this these new like grown marauders and all the other stuff going on is creepy and awesome enough right. to to deserve to take the focus yeah I, and it's little quibbles these are yeah um. I'm so glad that the interior art is what it is because the cover artist has been Dustin Weaver, who I like a lot. But if that cover art was the interior stuff, I would like it a lot less. I hated this cover. Yeah, like (laughs) I I like Dustin Weaver, but this doesn't really look like his style. And I just I wouldn't like the book if that was the interior art. Concurrently, if Marauders had the cover artist on the inside, it would be amazing. Same with Excalibur. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I don't know about Excalibur. but, But the last issue was better. I skimmed good it. Good for it. Oh, I skimmed it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for it. Better it is still It had one issue to low. get me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even do that. That's um, fine. I'll try. Not for everybody. I'll finish it. No, well, you don't that's... have to. That's the nice thing is you can read the book well, that's right for you. Well, I want to like them. I'm just, that, that, was... one, that one burned its bridges. That was something that, that I was talking with uh, Jeff and somebody else about the other day, how like there are definite books in the Dawn of X that I don't care about, that I don't want anything to do with, but- I talk to people who those are some of their favorite books. Mm-hmm. And so to have all of these books that are related that they aren't, there's not a book that is everybody's least favorite. Each book is somebody's favorite book. And I think that that's a, that's a fallen pretty cool. Angel? You've met a fallen angel? I've met several yeah. awesome. fallen angels. Yeah. I have I'm not met an Excalibur genuinely yet. genuinely happy to hear that. Um, I have not I've met, met a, an Excalibur. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. Um, but 
what I do want to mention is that I am so excited and in love with the Hickman main series book, and that's what I'm you know most invested in. And this week, having three books, what it made me realize is that I'm really happy there are six books because they just act as things to keep me engaged between the Hickman ones. Mm-hmm. Like this week, I stopped thinking of like there being these six series that I you know need to. They're all equally important or different. Like. And it's just that, no, I will basically just kind of be reading these as a way of staying invested and entrenched in the reality while waiting for the main story that I feel is, is the, the main book. And, and I don't have any problem with that at all. Yeah. Like I don't, they're not, they're, I'm not even really expecting them to be on that same caliber, although New Mutants pretty much is for me. And X-Force well, is fucking It's gorgeous. also Hickman for you. Well, right. right. I like liked he, the last he, issue, and he clearly, I think, only plotted that. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't, yeah. but anyway. Um, this, this is my, I think this is my favorite of the non X-Men books right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I might even like it more than X-Men, but I don't want to include that X-Men book as a thing that I'm balancing because I feel like it's its own thing. Like that's, yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of the backbone to all of these right. and, and it's not fair to, to lump it in with, uh, ranking. I agree with that. So I would, I would put this at the top and then New Mutants and Marauders, close behind it and i think i'm okay dropping off of the rest of them marauders i'm still on the fence with too like i, I like love it. that last panel i really love marauders yeah. and his sideburns I, they're so stylish they are very stylish Django. that's a very good point uh, i give x-force um in 8.5 and i'm still like very prepared for it to take a drastic drop like i'm very surprised that i like this x-force book as much as i do because Remender's X-Force run is my favorite X-Men run before this Hickman stuff, even more than Morrison's new X-Men. And I still feel like that shouldn't have existed. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's surprising to me that I would like an X-Force run, and this is the second one that I'm finding myself really liking. Do you think that these books are being hindered at all by their titles? Like, if, if they had done <laughs> X1, X2, X3, X4, X5, X6... I don't Do you know. think that we would have less baggage? Nah, I, I mean, I think No, because this is definitely an X-Force book. I think Fallen okay. Angels is more an X-Force book to me, but um, only because of this strict, like, we're hiding from the other X-Men. Don't tell people about this. We're doing covert missions. This is still very, like... See, for me, X-Force is all about the giant guns and cable. Okay. Like, that's, that's, that's what I think of when I think of X-Force, and I had to divorce that title from that preconception before I could enjoy this. I to me, like my favorite X Force run was the Craig Yost, Kyle and Christopher Yost yeah. run that they did oh, yeah. with Clayton Crane did Clayton the art Crane. for the most of it and yeah. everything. It was just like a fun bloodbath for yeah. a good long Crossed while. over with that cable series we were looking it at earlier. It did, it did. Yeah. It tied into um Messiah Complex and Messiah War and yeah. Second Coming. That was like an era of X Men that I really, really that loved. That Second Coming and arc. If people want to read a good x-men thing like everything that was going on at that time was pretty great yeah yeah it's like the era that no one was reading x-men when it was actually really good yeah, yeah. um but yeah what was your score on this one uh, uh i'm gonna give it an eight and you give a seven and a half and i went 8.5 so yeah. i'm really high on these books i like them um should we base this podcast turkey uh, yeah <laughs> we should we should get out of here by basting it if that's what you meant i oh. mean really if we're we need to pull the turkey out of the oven and start letting it rest. And, and pull gonna... all those good stuffings we put up in, mm-hmm. in its guts. And I'm going to take all those drippings and make some oh. gravy. Oh. oh, yeah. Actually, Roman's the gravy guy. Brown gravy. She can be the gravy girl. I make fucking amazing gravy. 
that is my oh, skill in life. I think I think this is great. Uh, <laughs> you make great gravy. Roman eats gravy. Okay. So you guys are getting to get along real. <laughs> it's going to be like gravy. <laughs> I have, I've actually cried about gravy multiple oh, times Jesus. in my you life. You and Erica should get her get together and have a, a gravy cry. So you guys can give us a phone call at 1-619-663-7336. one 619 Six six three seven three three six. We're trying to do a separate mailbag episode, so we haven't really gotten that super effectively into the system a yet. Basket full of mailhead. But we're going to hopefully do it. Um, but right now we're going to get out of here so that we can all hang out oh God, and watch the Watchmen television show, and that I can give Coletta ride home as you guys are setting up the TV to do that. Can I shout out like two uh, yeah. two little bits of media people should check out? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I think everybody should go see Parasite. It's a it's a Korean movie by the same guy that directed um, the, what was that train movie with the Human Torch in it? Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, <laughs> and uh, also I highly recommend uh, Knives Out, which yeah. is an Agatha Christie movie that Agatha Christie didn't write. Um, it's with the super, Human super Torch good. in it. And with this the is Human why Torch in you it. listen to our comic podcast. We've got to go, motherfucker. Listen, we got to go watch Justin. Watchmen. He's been you should watch out the Watchmen. People, that's what I was going to say. Watch the Watchmen or Star Wars is what I think that we should should talk about. Watch the Watchmen. We do. Comic people do. You're all amazing. Everyone needs to go and watch HBO's Ballers. Yep. If you're I'm listening to this podcast, over. you love Ballers. Yep. Yep. Starring Shazam. Colette, thanks so much yeah. for joining Django and I. It's Happy been awesome to have you too. on here more regularly. Thanks for letting me ramble at you. No, like it. we were I just like, it. we got to do it. I don't know when we're going to do it. And you're like, can I do it? And we're like, fuck yeah. Anytime you want, let us know. Jeff, thanks for joining Colette and I on this yeah. episode of the podcast. Absolutely. I'll uh, edit it for you guys. It's great. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Would you? Thank you both okay. for basking in my presence for a good couple hours. If you and, know uh, Colette, you know she does this at the end of every time you see her. Thank you for hanging out with the amazing beauty that is myself. Within the next two weeks, I hope to have our new uh, comic shop family member, Sarah, on board. So Ooh. look for that, everyone. Yes, Sarah. And we'll see you all next week for 159. Thank you all. Bye. Gross.